you are divine. Hello there, my beautiful pumpkins, and welcome back to the podcast. I know we took a little break in uh, part of January. I came back strong the first couple of weeks, and then, to be honest with you, I haven't said it blatantly anywhere, but I don't think anyway, I don't think I talked about it on the podcast either. I got coronavirus, and it knocked me on my ass for a couple of weeks. Uh, yes, I am vaccinated, so I don't think it was like as bad as some other people have experienced, but it was still like not fun, and I still still feel even like three weeks out that I'm I'm not experiencing like the cough, the chest cough, the headaches, anything like that. But I do still I'm not sure if I'm just like out of shape because I've been down for so many weeks or if I'm still experiencing the virus with like being more short of breath when I try to just do normal tasks. So hard to say, but um, I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling so much better. And uh, I just technically like I felt better already in January, but the way that I record podcasts, there is like a stagger in like from the time of record to full production and upload. So um, <clears throat> these ones are actually now finally being recorded again. And my uh, assistant's going to be helping me with these again, which is going to be so nice, so lovely and so nice. And I'm just happy to be back in the recording chair, chilling out and bringing more episodes in. I have been having the craziest experience over the last few weeks and I don't even know exactly what I'm going to share in detail or not. I don't think my family listens to my podcast, to be quite honest. I mean, I'm not like spilling tea or anything, but I'd be surprised if anybody listened. Um, so yo, family, if any of you listen to my podcast, like holler at your girl. Let me know that you consume my content if you haven't already. Um, I don't know if anybody actually listens to it that's like in my personal life, aside from the person who edits these um, and maybe like a handful of friends. But today I really wanted to focus on something that I've been experiencing since about the top of the year. And it's really weird because I, and I know that we've talked about this so many times on the podcast, on my Patreon, on my channel. Many of y'all know that I don't live around my family. Like, I don't live around them. I live almost a thousand miles away from my hometown, and I'm the only one in my family that does that. Everybody else lives very close together, and I feel like I have had such a different adult experience than the people that I left kind of behind. And I don't say behind, like I never speak to those people. Um, if, if you couldn't gauge, today's episode is going to be very focused around family and talking about just the experience that I've had with kind of breaking off from my family for a while and then circling back and what that has looked like. And I think there are a lot of people that are experiencing this, especially with the state of the world. There's a lot of people that, you know, we're very polarized right now. There are people that are not seeing family because of their political views or even religious beliefs, things like that, which I am not here to tell you that you are wrong if you are doing that. And I'm also not here to tell you that you're right. That's not the goal of my podcast to side either way. It's just to really share my experience and where I've been. And this is much longer than, you know, the pandemic of 2020. This is not something that like I broke off from my family in 2020. This has been a much longer journey for me. But <clears throat> I guess really where I'd have to start to talk about this experience and hopefully some of y'all can resonate that maybe have a hard time with family, especially when it comes to boundary setting, things like that. I hope that this episode will really give you some insight into how complex, com I said that weird, complex and complicated that family relationships can be and that you're not doing anything wrong by tending to yourself and people that love you and want to be a part of your life will understand that. Hopefully that is the hope. 
Um, and everybody's experience is going to be different, but ultimately I hope if there's any, any resonating messages in today's episode that you'll let me know, you know, reach out to me on Instagram. That's probably where you'll get to me the most. Now (laughs) I need to insert one little thing in here before we continue in this story. Um, I am going to be taking a social media, I'm calling it my social media sabbatical, (laughs) where I'm not really going to be on social media engaging for, I want to go for three months. Um, My assistant, also now my social media manager, will still be doing posting for me, scheduling things. So it's going to look like I'm still there for the most part. Uh, but I actually will not have the apps on my phone. I will not be engaging. So if you do send me anything on Instagram, um, I might not see it for about three months, but still let me know anyways, let me know and I'll get to it there, uh, eventually. But that's a whole other story that we'll probably cover this month in podcasts as well, talking about taking a big break from social media and, you know, where that's really coming from. But today I want to focus on family. So um, I might not see your message right away, but I am planning to take like this first, I'm going to say February, March, April, maybe until like my birth month, May, I'll come back around to social media and kind of just check in my with myself and see where I am. But in any case, um, family. So I really have to kind of go back when I talk about my family experience to Uh, it's just been such a long, it's been a long, long, long journey. And the first thing I want to bring up is Daddy Saturn in the sky. (laughs) Uh, This is not my information. I want to point that out right away. I get this from Alyssa Sharp or the Divine Venus. She has a fantastic video on the planet of Saturn. And I will link that down below for you. If you want to check it out and kind of see where it where it fits into your own chart. It's very fascinating information, but I'm going to kind of summarize a little bit of it for you just so you can kind of gauge in your own life. So Saturn, and even if you don't know your birth chart, this is going to be good information for you to kind of sift through. So just, just bear with me for a moment. Even if you're not an astrology buff, you'll still be able to make comparisons in your life. So Um, Saturn, we actually deal with the planet of Saturn. I mean, every day because it doesn't fall out of the sky and like not deal with us, (laughs) but every seven years in your life, you come into either a Saturn opposition, a Saturn square or a Saturn return. And basically at that seven year mark every year. So when you turn seven, when you turn 14, when you turn 21, and then when you turn 28, somewhere in, in that range. Now Saturn might come to a certain degree. Like it's like, I say seven years, but there's a little bit of a range on it. So it might be like seven to eight years or 28 to 30 years old, somewhere in there. So it's, I'm giving you like ballpark range here, but basically every seven years you are dealing with either a Saturn square, a Saturn opposition, or when you hit that 30 mark and then it carries on. So like when you hit close to 60, you'll hit another Saturn return, you know? So we've talked a lot about Saturn returns on this podcast. We have several episodes where I've discussed it with you and that's not even what we're getting into today. I just want to talk mainly about those first four Saturn transits that you'll deal with. So around age seven, Saturn is going to come up really strong for you. And this is the time when you will disconnect from your mother. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be like birth mother. Like I know everybody's family dynamic can be very different. You know, maybe some of y'all don't have physical present mothers or there's like another mother in your life. But I, but Typically, this is the time period where there will be a detachment from your mom and you will lean more towards your dad. And this doesn't necessarily like it's nothing wrong with your mom. It's just this you become your own person separate from the person who birthed you, basically. And then around 14, you start to become um, 
separate from mom and dad. Like both parents kind of, you maybe have some issues, some things that, and you know, we get that, oh, you're just being rebellious, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this is where we start to realize that we are a little bit more of our own person separate from our parents' ideology. And then at around 21, where we hit that Saturn again, uh, we're going to actually start to separate from the entire home and family system. And then when you hit your Saturn return, you start to realize that you are all that you actually have. And this is why the Saturn return can literally crush you because it feels like the weight of the world on top of you and it can literally crush you. So I'm getting the goosebumps as I'm talking about this stuff because I think it's so fascinating and I called them the truth bumps, not the goosebumps. So we're getting truth bumps in here, but think about your own life and your own timeline and what those significant years looked like for you. You know, I can tell you specifically when I hit around 21, this was when I really, really, really started to question my ties with my family system. This is when I kind of was falling off of being Mormon. I was raised Mormon for the first, I'm going to say it was really like 18 years of my life, but I really was pushing away by 21. And this is when I started to realize that I was my own person and I didn't have to follow suit with what the family was doing. And I say family in big air quotes because there's only like three practicing members in my family of like some ridiculous number. Like there's seven kids in my family plus my parents, that's nine. All of them have spouses or significant others. And then some of them have kids. So I have like a massive, like 30 plus people immediate circle. And technically, I guess there's one, two, three, four, five practicing members. One is a child and then there's a couple uh, sets of adults. But most people are not practicing Mormon in my family. It's like actually very small compared to how many people are in my family. Um, so I don't want to give you the wrong impression there. But this was at the point where I really started to kind of disavow religion. And, you know, I even got told by my mother, like, you were never rebellious as a teen. This is your rebellious phase, right? And the more I learned, and this is not me shitting on Mormonism or Christianity, like if that's what you want to do and that makes you feel good and it makes you a good person, I am never going to be the person that tells you that you should just not be religious. I think that if it actually makes you the best version of you that you can be, then it's the right one for you and you should stay there. But so recognize that when I talk about religion, I'm only talking about my experience with it. So this was really when I started to push back on my own relationship with my mom in particular. And we had never seen that. My mom and I were very attached at the hip. I can see where around age seven and 14, like things kind of shifted a little bit, but usually they weren't anything major. It was just like little shifts that were happening and little bits of separation. And then when I got into my 20s, that was really like... I think my mom really thought that I would move to Utah, which I did. <laughs> I would find some like Mormon guy, get married, and then I would like be a long devout member of the church. And I'm bringing up the church significantly because it was a significant part of my life growing up. I really was in it. I was drinking the Kool-Aid. And what ended up happening is <clears throat> the boy that I had been dating from my hometown moved to Utah as well to find work because 2008, 2009, that was when the recession hit and we couldn't find jobs in California where we were from. And because he moved, we stayed together and I'm married to him now. Like we've been together for almost 14 years. It's been a very long and beautiful relationship. But I think ultimately the idea was to kind of get me beyond all of that. And what ended up happening is I ended up staying with my partner. And that was kind of my first really big defiance, which I know for some of you, you're like, wow, like I never snuck out of the house. I didn't drink underage. I didn't like I really was by parental standard, a really good kid. 
um, which I have problems with that phrase. Like, what does that even mean to be a good kid? Like if your kid is actually super quote unquote good in that regard, I think sometimes that's just because you've really been an overbearing authoritative parent, which my parents very much are authoritative parenting style, which I do not think is good personally. Um, I am definitely on that gentle parenting trend. But even though I don't have kids, but if I ever do, rest assured, we are doing gentle parenting all the way. Uh, but when it comes to my like big kind of break off from my family, that was like my first big defiance was when my now husband asked me to marry him and I said yes. And I was so like, I didn't care. I was like, we're getting married civilly and that was the point where I knew I did not care. Like this person in front of me was so great. I, he treated me well. He is the most respectful person, loved me for who I was, regardless of religious beliefs. And <clears throat> like my husband was atheist at the time and I was super religious at the time, but we still loved each other so much and respected the other person so much that it didn't matter to me. Temple marriage be damned. Like I, which if you're Mormon and you don't know, like, the standard is to get married in the temple. That's like what people want and what they always, they all aspire to is to like get married in the Holy temple. And you can't do that unless both parties are a member and hold what is called a temple recommend. So my husband atheist at the time, well, boyfriend at the time, fiance, whatever. Um, I did not care. I was like, Nope, you are such a great man. I do want to marry you. And, um, so yeah, we ended up doing the whole shebang civilly. And that was kind of my first big, like, oh, I'm not doing what I was kind of lined up to do my whole life was to just basically be a member of this church and become a mom. And thank goodness, don't get me wrong. I think, excuse me, I think motherhood is a very beautiful thing, but I just, ooh, that was, I'm so glad that it was not the path that I felt called to personally. I'm so glad that that shifted for me because it's just, I'm not saying never to children, but, or a child rather, if I had any, it would definitely just be one. Um, I don't say no to that experience, but I do think I have a much better head on my shoulders at 30 than I did at 20. So like, I think mentally <clears throat> I'm significantly more prepared for a child than I would have been then. And that was really what I was groomed to do was, and I say groomed because I do kind of feel like that's how it is. Like you're, especially growing up in that faith, you're kind of groomed to be a certain type of person. So um, then I think what really was the thing that made me push away from family the most was around, how old was I? It was in my twenties. I would have been 26. So this was also right around the time that I hit my nodal opposition. You hit nodal opposition around 27 where the North and South node are flipped in your chart from what they are natally. So like if you had a cancer North node with a Capricorn South node, this would be the time period where the North node would be in Capricorn and the South node would be in cancer. And that's flipped from what you are natally. And it can cause like really great identity crisis. Um, that's, that's the 27th year that we talk about a lot in like fame. That's what you go through at 27. It, it really makes you kind of lose yourself and your identity a little bit. And at this pivotal time in my life, my sister that was closest to me died. Uh, she died of a heroin overdose. And we've talked about this a lot on the podcast as well. I'm not going to choose to dwell on the topic too much, but this was the, <clears throat> excuse me, this was the moment that. I feel like really, really, really broke any tie that I was still keeping fabricated to my mom or to my family. And I say mom specifically because my other members of my family, I feel like are a lot more understanding and open. And I would say this to my mom's face, like I'm not spilling secrets here, Um my mom really would like to have like a Mormon family and would really like is very image focused. And if you told her that to her face, she would deny it outright, but it's, it's right there. You can see it. I've said this to her face. Like it's not, or at least to the phone. Um, 
is very, 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 very image focused and cares a lot about what other people think. And I've talked about this, that I believe my mom either is a narcissist or has strong narcissistic tendency. So this is very like, if that image is shattered, it would shatter the person. And when I say narcissist, I want to make it very clear that I think the way that we define narcissism in modern society, it's like somebody called you like a hateful word. When in reality, narcissism is a result of a very traumatic past where you have had to shut your identity down so much to cater to something else. And I would argue that I think a lot of religion does that to people. Um, and it's literally just a safety mechanism for the narcissist. They do this as a point of control and because it grants them the ability to feel safe. And so I'm not like, even when I say narcissism, I wish in society we didn't treat it like it was such a dirty word because yes, I believe that my mother is a narcissist, but I don't think it has to be such a dirty word. Like, I think that she really struggles with that and maybe doesn't even realize it, but I can see it very clearly. It's, there's evidence everywhere. And I think that that is a result of just kind of where she came from. Not that I need to sit here and stipulate, like, y'all don't know my mom and I'm not trying to protect any kind of image here. But <clears throat> this was the point where... Like, I feel like I would try to keep up like social niceties and I would talk to my mom a lot and I would talk to a lot of my family a lot and try to seem like I was still kind of a part of the quote unquote tribe, right? And I don't say tribe like Native American tribe. I say tribe like if we think about how we used to live as people and function, we needed tribe to survive and our primal brain still doesn't feel safe if we don't have that. So I would still do like a lot of social nicety around that time. And this is the point where everything broke and smashed wide open was losing somebody. This was so significant in my life that it made me question everything, all of my relationships, all of my attachments, my mental well-being, my physical well-being. This was the moment that I looked at myself and I said, wow, if I died tomorrow, is this the person that I would want to be? Is this how I would want to behave? Am I being somebody that I can actually be proud of? Because I feel like until you have death hit you that close to home, so to speak, it might not even ever click. And that might not be the thing that does it for you. But for me, this really like busted me wide open. And I was like, oh, wow. Like I had like a full blown... I feel like this is really what led me into the hero's journey, which is what I really wanted to talk about today, like family and how that plays into your own hero's journey. So the hero's journey, from my understanding, at least what I know of it, um, it's, I don't know if Carl Jung was the creator of this or the person who like masterminded it, but from my understanding, it's his, or it might even be Joseph Campbell, but in any case, in psychology, there are so many different ways that this has been described. There is like, I'm even, I pulled up charts of the hero's journey and there are so many different ones that come up if you open it because so many people have like theorized it at this point or have drawn up different ways of looking at it. My favorite, I will link down below that I saw anyways, it's this open spiral and Basically, the hero's journey, which is, I want to say it's a theory, <laughs> it, or would it be a hypothesis? I don't know. I'm not a science person. Leave me alone. Um, I want to say it's theorized, but I could be wrong here. That might be the wrong choice of word. Anyway, I'm not going to sit here and obsess about the word. But basically, this is when you feel a pull or a call to some kind of an adventure. And you go through different archetypal phases until you come back home at the end of a long journey. And this to me was the moment that I really jumped off into a hero's journey. This was so big that I had to go beyond what my normal realm was like. And this is when I got really into astrology and tarot cards and meditation and candles and crystals. And this was when I started reading self-help. One of the first books I read was You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. 
And I'll link that book down below as well, because it just opened my eyes to so much. I also found Manifestation Babe, who is somebody that I consider like a mentor to me, because she just teaches concepts that are so incredible that I, my mind had never conceived of before. And so I got really into spirituality in, I guess that would be like 2017, 2018, before it got all cool and mainstream, because I'm a hipster like that. <laughs> um, I feel like we all kind of saw an uprising after that, though, something in the world shifted for sure. But um, I got really into manifestation, really into spirituality. I started reading tarot cards for clients, uh, which I don't do that anymore. I read just solely on YouTube now. I don't take clients on because, frankly, it's kind of an energy drain, not because people are bad or anything, but when you're connecting with that many people and sometimes their energy is like really low and really sad or they're needing answers about like a really serious situation. It can just like really zap your energy if you're somebody that's highly sensitive or highly empathic. So I don't really do private readings anymore for that reason that I just find it to be a really big energy drain on me. Um, but in any case, I was like doing that and I really stopped talking to family. Like mainly I stopped talking to my mom, but I think it kind of trickled outwards mostly because I just had so many deep realizations about my relationship with my mom. Like we had been so close prior to this that when I finally started to push away and realized that the things that she had taught me maybe weren't very good. And a lot of the times that we did connect, it was either because I was doing something that made her happy or I was quote unquote bonding with her over gossip. And something that I had come to learn through my like spiritual venture was that gossip was not bonding. That's a false sense of bonding with people and that one probably was the thing that really set me over the edge is I see that like littered through my family, like gossiping about each other with each other in a big family. That's just kind of what happens. And I really started to change. And this made me feel like this weird, like outsider in my family that didn't want to participate in the enmeshment, didn't want to participate in the way that the family system did things, didn't want to like, everybody kind of knew that like, my mom was like this or that other people in the family were like this. And we all just kind of were accepting it. And I came to a point in my experience and mind you, I'm giving you the cliff notes version. Like there are so many more like intricate stories I could go into, but I'm going to spare you uh, because it, it would, we'd be here for hours. But ultimately what I came to realize is that I didn't want to connect like that. And I started to really put friendships above family relationships. And I started to let new, like, cause prior to this, that was really all I had. I had like a few friends in the town that I was in. I had my husband and then I had family and I, I maybe spoke to like virtual friends here and there. But when I started to really question like connection and learn more about psychology and read a lot of self-help, I really started to prioritize friendships because I realized that, yeah, you have your biological family, but your logical family, the people that you get to choose and that choose you back, you can learn so much from those people because I'm not trying to say that your family can't teach you things because you all grew up in the similar environment. So you all have stories that you can share. And there's a lot of magic involved in that. And we'll get to that later. But I think that when you spend your time with a lot of people outside that circle, you're open to so much more information. And it just, I felt like that was at that like critical point in my journey where I just opened myself up to so much more knowledge. And I wasn't just eating, drinking, sleeping, breathing, Mormon doctrine. And this like, I think the thing is too, is at least in my experience, like, Mormonism and if you are in like a toxic family system you just don't feel good you're just and like I got to a point where I was just tired of not feeling good and I was like gosh there has to be something more or better than this and so I think that also kind of led me to look outside of the family and the religious systems that I had been in so um started doing a lot of that I also like 
streamed on Twitch. I was doing a lot of connecting with the world at large as well. So you're faced with like a lot of different personalities when you stream, you know, there, and that can be a really like scary thought, but that can also be a really beautiful and exciting time. So like, if you treat it like it's an exciting adventure to get to know new people instead of be scared, which don't get it twisted. I understand that for some people that can sound so petrifying, especially when you bring social anxiety into it, which I firmly believe I used to suffer with social anxiety, like really bad. I was always trying to make sure everybody was okay. And I think ultimately that came from having to cater to my mom, who if her feelings were not okay, we were not okay. And once I finally kind of cracked out of that mold, it changed my whole life. It changed the way that I connect with people. It stopped me from spiraling and thinking that things were not okay with people in my life. It also, I will say this, and I'm not proud of this. I think that being raised with somebody with that narcissism in them, you see how easy it can be to manipulate others. And I don't mean like with spirituality or with tarot cards. I'm not talking about that. I think that when you manipulate spiritually, like that is like the lowest of the low. I would never stoop there. But I do feel like something that is not talked about enough is when you are raised in a system like that, you like, I was raised by a master manipulator. So like, I feel like even if I was not trying to manipulate people or situations, I woke up to that, to like, oh, that's actually really manipulating and like trying to control how people see or perceive me, which I think can fall a lot under people pleasing. It's actually highly manipulative when we try to control how other people see and feel about us. And I think we also, that's like a whole other conversation for a whole other time. But I think there's something to be said about people pleasing and manipulation and where that comes from and like why we do it. And it's also, it also can be looped into social anxiety and looped into basically us just not feeling safe in our environment or with other people and needing to control it. Anyways, that was just a total side tangent. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to bring that in here. I don't even know what got me on that. Um, that's on ADHD. Let me get a little sip of coffee in here. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So, where was I in this story? <clears throat> so, then, like, my mom and I went to France together on this trip that I've talked about before. And it was a business trip with Electronic Arts that technically was to London. And then we extended our trip to go to France and then to Italy. And <clears throat> she and I got into a huge blowout on that trip. Like if I had had the money, I would have left her there by herself. I would have gotten a, a ticket and I would have flown home. And when I came back, I don't think I talked to her for a year. Like I just shut down, stopped talking to her, stopped. Like even if she would call me, I would just give her really simple, basic answers. She could tell that something was wrong because she would even comment on it. And this kind of was a vicious cycle for a few years, like from, I'm going to say around age, like 27 until now. So for the last like three years, maybe even almost four years, we, I would just kind of block her out and not necessarily like block her on my phone, but I just quit calling. I just quit responding. I quit engaging and mostly for my own like I needed to stay sane and healthy. And I'm not saying that this is what everybody should do that deals with a parent or somebody in their life that faces them with a lot of emotional turmoil. What I am saying is that it's very complex. It's very complex. And in those moments where I wasn't 
talking to her. I wasn't being an active part of her life. It was still painful because I felt like I couldn't talk to most of my family because they're all so connected and they're all talking and they're all like sharing information. And my whole thing was I didn't want my mom to have information about my life. I didn't want her gossiping about me behind my back. I didn't want her stipulating on what the issue could be. I wanted her to come to me and talk about it if she wanted to talk about it. And within that, I also wanted to avoid her like the plague (laughs) because there was so much pain invested in that relationship. And again, I know, I hope this is all like making sense and coming out right, because I think there's a lot of things that I'm also keeping to myself in this conversation. And that's ultimately because some of that stuff, like I'm not ready to talk about. And I don't know that I ever will because it's so personal to me and my relationships, but All within that, my point is, is that it's very complex. It's very complex and you can want love from that member of your family, but also hate them and wish that you could just run away from them forever. I think that that's valid and it's, it's very intricate and relationships are intricate, especially when it comes to family. So all of this to say, I think I went through just a really lengthy period of keeping an arm's length. And my mom comes into this really big in the story because I feel like that was the source. That was the source of a lot of my tension and turmoil. And, you know, I might have things with other siblings, but it's also because of how we've been raised by this person. And I can see that clear as day when certain like personality traits come out or certain ways of being or certain forms of communication we learn from our parents. And I also think it's it's something to note that I know that there are people that listen to my podcast that maybe have that opinion of like, well, why is it always the parents fault? Blah, 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 blah. It's not about that. It's not about things always being your parents fault. It's I think that generationally speaking, which I try not to even go there because I think it can get heavily political so fast. But I think generationally speaking, It's not about blaming parents for where we are. It's trying to figure out the patterns that have continuously gone on that have led us here because we're not doing that shit again, basically. (laughs) I think there's a lot of generational cycle breakers right now. I consider myself one of those. I will not continue how we've done things before. If I ever have a child or if I don't, I will spread things differently to the world like I already do. Um... It's not about blaming parents for every little thing that went wrong in childhood and being a special snowflake. It's trying to understand the intricate patterns that made our parents be a certain way and how it passed down to future generations. And there's nothing wrong with, and this goes to people that are also feeling bad about themselves for wanting to look at that. It's not wrong to assess those things. It's not wrong to want to understand where you've come from and why you are the way that you are or why your family members are the way that they are or why your relationships are the way that they are or why certain patterns in your life still continue to come up the way that they have. There is nothing wrong with dissecting that. And anybody in your life that tells you that there is something wrong with it It's because they have become so comfortable with that safety net that they're not willing to see change. And they also are afraid to feel blamed for something. Um, That's, again, a whole other intricate topic. (laughs) But it's okay to question these things. It doesn't mean that you have to run away from your family the way that I did. But I think ultimately what I'm getting at now, again, side tangents there, is that I spent many years just like, I haven't been home to my hometown since the death of my sister. And I think I've kind of been on this whole hero's journey of figuring myself out and who I want to be and how I am in this family system and what that means. And I'm at a point in my life now, and I thought it was important to share this because I think a lot of people are not at this point yet. But I'm at a point now where I'm experiencing reintegration. I'm experiencing coming back from the hero's journey. And I'm experiencing what it is like to figure out where I fit in the family now because I'm different. And I think the coolest thing, I'm going to try like not to get choked up about it because it's just, 
I never thought it could be this way. I always thought I was going to have to struggle. I always thought that connecting with my family was always going to be really hard just because of the patterns that have littered across this entire system. I always thought I was going to struggle and have a hard time. And what I've come to find out is that these people are just people. They're just people with their own intricacies. And yes, we share some of those things, but they're just people. And I've started making the effort to reconnect with siblings, which has been such a good thing. I've reconnected with my mom a little bit. Um, I've tried to reconnect with my dad and that's interesting. That's another story for another time. Um, you know, I, I've been making more effort to reconnect and, and really come. It's like, I'm at that homecoming point in my own journey, which in the hero's journey, let me pull this image up again in the hero's journey. There's a point that says the road back home. And I feel like that's really where I am in my journey right now. I'm on the road back home. I've been through this crazy, like, so many things have happened. I went through the mental health crisis that I went through in 2021, which I've talked so much about on the podcast. I went through, um, I went through that disconnect from family and walking away for so many years. I went through a total evolution of my spiritual perspective. I built an entire new empire from the ground up. I've done so many things over the last five years, but also transformed as a person. And I feel like I'm on that road back home now. And it feels so deeply emotional but not because I'm scared, because it feels good. It feels good to be able to connect with people and to not just feel like I'm knocking heads 24-7, to understand people's pain and why they are a certain way and just love them and accept them anyway. Because it it doesn't, like, obviously I still hold my own boundaries. Like, I'm not saying everything just went out the window. I'm more capable of handling things. But... I think all of this to say that, you know, maybe you are somebody that will never reconnect with your family and that's okay. There is a place for you in my community. Absolutely. Maybe that's never going to be your journey, but also maybe it is, maybe you will get to a place where you're going to find that road back home and things will just feel so different, elevated, but different. And I want to, really look at the rest of this hero's journey, right? So we have the road back home and then it we go to, so let me actually name all the phases here. <laughs> so we have the beginning, which is the call to adventure. And then we go into the refusal of the call. Maybe we don't want to go. It feels scary. Meeting the mentor, which <laughs> I'm not going to name that person in my podcast, but I'm going to definitely tell them about it. Um, I definitely feel like I had a very strong mentor that really led me through so much of this. And I'm trying not to get emotional about that either. <laughs> I know it's okay to cry. And I am, I'm the first person that will tell you that, but I don't want to spend longer here than I have to right now. And then we have crossing the threshold, tests, allies, and enemies. So like you meet people along your journey too. Some of them are going to be tests. I definitely had some of those. Oh my gosh. Without getting specific here, I definitely had two people that absolutely mirrored to me. Oh, sorry. There's a loud car in the parking lot. Absolutely mirrored to me traits of my mom that were very scary to me that I didn't know how to deal with. And I ended up dealing with both of those situations along the journey. Um, one of them I know I've talked about in great detail on the Twin Flames podcast that I used to run. We had an episode on friendship and I talked in great detail about one of those experiences. Um, but you go through a lot of like tests and you also meet allies that understand your story, that want to assist or want to just be there to hold space. Or you can just talk about those things because you know um, and it's funny, too, because I think I have at least one family member that I would consider an ally that I still like kept in contact with throughout this entire process. Um, and then I have it or we have approach to the innermost cave. So this is like all about venturing all the way in 
the ordeal in the abyss facing the shadow self. So facing the parts of yourself that maybe are the most scary. Um, apothesis, which I don't even know what that means, but um, what does that mean? Let's look it up. What does apothesis mean? I don't know if I've ever seen that word before. Apothosis. <coughs> oh, sorry. Bless me. Um, apothesis. The highest point in the development of something. Culmination or climax. Okay. So basically it's like reaching the highest point of, I definitely have been there. <laughs> uh, the ultimate boon, which the boon is really cool because the boon is like this gift that you receive in the process. And usually the boon isn't something that is tangible. Like you can't touch it. Usually it's like, it's not a physical thing. Usually it's like a gift that you are given to your psyche or to your mental process that allows you to move forward in some way or helps you in your journey. And then we have the refusal of the return which like, you don't want to go back home. You know too much shit. There's too much shit and you don't want to go back there. And then finally something shifts and you have the road back home and you start to actually go back. And I feel like that's really where I am right now is I'm on that road back home, back home to myself, back home to my actual family, my like, well, I mean, I consider family to be everything, but meaning like blood related or not, friends are also family, but in this case, I'm talking about the road back home to like my blood related family. And then you have the master of two worlds. So you master the underworld and the world that you're returning to. And I'm excited to get to that place because I think I'm already kind of there. Like I know, I feel like I'm just not who I used to be. I have such better ways of setting boundaries. I'm not scared anymore. And I've had just a total transformation within myself. And that doesn't mean that things don't slip up sometimes or I don't revert back to that childlike self that is afraid. But I feel like I have such better ways of communicating now. And then we also have return with special knowledge. So you might bring something special back with you as well. And lastly, we have ascend to a higher plane. And then it just continues. You go, you hit stasis, and then you're on the hero's journey again. And I guess all of this to say that my hero's journey was very, very, very much about family. And obviously it was also about me, <laughs> very much about me. But I think for me, there was a time period where I used to say that, like, I hated my mom. I hated what she did. I hated who she was. I hated... I hated, I hated so much and I couldn't understand how somebody could live as long as they did and, and continue to be the way that they are. I just couldn't understand. And I think there was a lot of back and forth in that too. There was a lot of loving and a lot of hating. And I think ultimately what I, what I really came to realize along the journey is that Though this relationship can be very difficult for me, I think as a lot of us have difficult relationships with parents, in some way, it's also the relationship that is my greatest blessing. And I say that because it's the relationship that taught me the most about myself. And it forced me to have to forge a new path. It forced me to have to go on a different trajectory because I could not stand what was happening and what was being fed to me and how, how communication was being done, how people were being treated. I couldn't handle it. And it forced me to have to go on a different adventure that would change my life and the course of my life forever. And in some ways, you could say that it never would have happened had I not had myself be faced with this kind of relationship. And it's honestly like I'm not saying we need to wrap everything up in like a beautiful silk blanket and make it this happy cloud like great time. It can still be shitty, but I think we can take both or I can take both. I can take the things that sucked and were shitty and were heartbreaking, but I can also take the lessons and the knowledge and the information and the boon that I received and the, 
the change of self, the deep transformation that took place because of this. And I don't even like, I feel like I'm on that journey back home and it feels, it just feels weird. <laughs> like if you've ever left a place, like a physical location and you thought you would never come back, but you remembered the smell, you remembered the sounds, you remembered the streets, you remembered everything about this location. And when you come back, it just, it's all still there. It just, imagine that, but with people, right? It just feels so like intricate and crazy. And anyways, I feel like this episode is probably like the deepest that I've ever really dove into the intricacies of my family life. And I think ultimately because of what I have been through, this is very much the point at like what people learn from me. And I realized that too, because even in astrology, my Chiron is in family, it's in cancer. And so like the weakest quote unquote, I say weak, but air quotes there, big air quotes. The weakest point of me is the point that I actually get to rise above and help other people with that point. Because I've been hurt so much that I know what it feels like to hurt on that level, to be hurt by the people that you are always trained and conditioned to believe are supposed to love you the most. And I just really want to close this episode by saying that I don't know what your family journey is like. I don't know what your hero's journey is going to entail. And we don't know what the return of your journey is going to look like. And I don't want to give anybody any false hope that it's going to look exactly like mine because chances are it probably won't. But I guess the thing that I will say is that especially if it comes to family for you, if you have a hard time with family expressing yourself or being yourself or maybe there's some contention there, I don't know if it means that much to anybody, but you'll always have a place in my family. You'll always have a place at my table. You'll always have a place at in this community and I know what it feels like to feel like you are just like fundamentally unlovable and that something is wrong with you. And I promise there's nothing wrong with you. You are so lovable and you are so loved and whatever your journey entails, it's going to prove that to you over and over and over again until you get to your journey back home, wherever that is. But in any case, I love you so much, Pumpkin. Please do not forget when you stand in your own authenticity, you empower everyone around you to do the same. And I'll meet y'all next week. All right. I love you. Bye.